Welcome to Beer Life Season 2. My name is Jordan Foss, and I am the co-owner and operator of Steel and Oak Brewing Company, um, but currently I am unemployed. Uh, I had a plan for this season to bring in some new guests and uh, to talk about the beer industry some more in BC and uh, worldwide. I'd scheduled them all in, and then I since cancelled them because of uh, the COVID crisis and everything that's going on right now in our community. So I thought rather than start off season two with a new guest, I thought it was important to bring back a few guests from season one uh, to chat about the new world we're living in and, and how it's affected them. So with that being said, welcome to episode one of season two of Beer Life with my guests, Ben Coley and handsome Adam Henderson. And that's not to say you're not handsome, Ben. You are just in your own way. It's a, it's a very selective kind of handsome. Yes, it is. Hey, and I want to say I nailed that intro, and now I don't have to edit it afterwards, which is fantastic. So, it was great. Yeah, I didn't hear applause from anybody, but whatever. Um, okay, well, let's get started. Where is everyone at right now? Ben, I'll start to you. Just so everybody that listening knows, because you can't see us, um, we're recording in the tasting room, but Ben is on one far end, Adam is on the other far end, and so it's kind of awkward, and we're lucky that we just have long mic cables so that we can make it work for everyone. But Ben, let's start with you, because I know you'll be the angriest. So you go ahead and let me know what's, what's going on with Dagrad and, and you right now. Well, just uh, to start things off, uh, for everyone at home, this was recorded before it was discovered that Cool Ranch Doritos were an effective prophylactic against COVID-19, so we're all really fucking freaked out right now. <laughs> Okay, Adam. You should run for your office. <laughs> uh, how do you follow that? Yeah. Adam, where are you? You have a pretend brewery, so, I mean, you're not probably... I'm joking. I, I'm joking. We, we do have a pretend brewery. Yeah. We so, are a beer company. Uh, we're, we are not called the brewery because we don't have a brewery. So, we're still trying to build our brewery. And how is that? I can't imagine that that is actually affecting you that much because you're planning not, on having any money anyways at this point in time. That's exactly right. So, I think, like, all things considered, we're actually really lucky right now. It's sort of panned out i think pretty well for us all things considered i mean frankly like people you're, are you're people lucky are, as long as things get back to normal soon right yeah so I'll, i can get to that there's a whole there's several future scenarios that are not good but i mean right now like first of all people are actually dying so yeah good there well healthy and so i i was thinking of this earlier like i hope that normally when the three of us get together it's kind of fun conversation and i i don't necessarily like i i know we can't What's happening is serious, and what's happening is bigger than our three businesses. And right. um, but I still hope that this will be jovial and fun at the end of it. We'll, so people just don't sure sit we'll there crying there. on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we can get there. I mean, and I think there's there's a lot of good things that are happening out of this, and there's a lot of things I've seen, like you know, just the initiative that Ben's working on for uh, Save Small Business, which I know Ben will talk about, and then. Uh, just a lot of the things that you've seen the community, both the beer and hospitality community do to pull together is, you know, that's really great. So I think that those are some really nice silver linings in this. And frankly, I think, you know, as a country, Canada's holding together pretty well. I mean, you know, our our neighbors look like they're having a more difficult time with this than, than we are as a, as a nation. So that's, you know, that's uplifting. Um, you know, for for my company specifically, yeah, we're we're really lucky. We we employ three people, which are myself, my co-founder Matt, and our brewer Simon. And we've we've not had to change anything about that yet. 
So yeah. we may have to change something about that, but for the time being, you know, we don't. We're also restricted in the amount of beer we can make. We can make 2,000 hectoliters of beer a year, yeah. um, roughly, and that's just a function of how much fermentation space we have at Strathcona. Um, if anything, Strathcona has dipped a bit because they were, you know, they make more beer than us. Uh, and they've lost their, their room. So there might actually be more fermentation space for us. It's yet to be determined if we can use that. So like, we're kind of lucky. I mean, we did about 50, 50 draft and package. And on November 18th, we, we haven't sold a keg or November, uh, March 18th. We haven't sold a keg since March 17th or something. Right. So when every restaurant shut down, um, but it was easy for us to replace that initially with some of the stuff that we could do, uh, either via delivery. Um, and then we actually had a bunch of liquor stores that seemed to pick up and it's only been a couple weeks. So we're not sure if that's going to continue. Um, you know, I know you guys can talk to that in your businesses. So, you know, I'm, I, I do feel lucky in that way. If we had opened up a tasting room, when we had hoped to, you know, which was first December, 2019. And secondly, April of 2020, uh, like if, if I was planning to open the doors of my tasting room next month, I would be uh, of a very different mindset. Well, thanks for bringing that up yeah. and my Herald street project. So I appreciate I know. that. Well, we'll, we'll get there too, I'm sure. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, everybody's in a different situation and I think that that's, you know, yeah, I mean, some people are, are luckier than others, and I feel pretty fortunate for that. So, again, we have to see what happens. And we can talk about kind of where our project is going in the next few months and what I'm concerned about. Um, and I know, yeah, you guys have different things going on, obviously. Like, you know, Ben, your you know your business is uh, different than mine in many ways, and so is, you know, Steel and Oak is different from both of ours. And then Jordan's got the Herald Street project that he's working on, um, as well as potentially another project. I don't know if that gets discussed or not, but... Yeah, uh, oh, the, the restaurant? Yeah. No, nah, that's dead in the water now. Uh-oh, okay. Yeah, which thankfully, like, yeah. I didn't spend any money on it, so... Okay, so that's good. Yeah, yeah we, okay. we uh, it's like, I mean... I was talking to, we were supposed to have Brent Mills on this episode as well, but he's working on a, um, he's got an, he's working on his centrifuge today and we were going to phone him in, but I couldn't figure out how to get the phone in thing to work on, on the podcast. It's, I was away for a few months. Well, not away, but off podcasting for a few months. So it's taking me, it's not like riding a bike. I'm figuring it out again. But Brent was, um, where the fuck was I going with that? Oh, I was talking to Brent about, um, their Southlands project. Right. Oh, right. And how yeah. sometimes, you know, like looking back on it, if, if they'd done Southlands and they were in the thick of building this massive project, um, you know, it's 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 almost a blessing to disguise that it didn't happen. So, um, Ben, where are you guys at at Dagrad right now and how have you made any alterations to your business in the last month, I guess? Well, I mean, like everyone, we lost our tasting room, which is the most profitable part of any business. And by, by profitable, I don't mean money that we get to stick in our jeans. You know, that's money that goes to pay towards rent. That uh, you know covers fixed costs. That makes sure that you know we we pay repay our debts and things like that. But anyway, that that absolutely the highest margin part of any any of our businesses, and it's gone like everyone else's. We've replaced it with a home delivery service, which uh, fortunately has kept all of my tasting room staff employed. Uh, we I, I laid off one person. I mean, and I know that's way less than most breweries have. For now, we're we're keeping the team together as much as we can, and. And just trying to provide a life raft for for our staff as as well as as keep the team together so that we can we can get going again when uh, you know when the all clear is sounded. But I mean, there's every chance that they'll sound the all clear and then they'll put us back in a quarantine and they'll sound the all clear and you know this could go on for well over a year and we need to you know get get our businesses in shape so that we can weather all of that. Fortunately for us, I mean, there's there's sort of 
I guess, broadly four revenue streams that every brewery has. You've got wholesale draft, and that's gone. Wholesale packaged is still around and actually doing really quite well. Liquor stores are selling a lot of beer. Uh, and then you had, had on-premise beer in your tasting room, which is obviously gone, and takeout beer from your tasting room, which, which still exists and is, is doing quite well. And fortunately for us, we were always heavy in, on the package side, so it hasn't, hasn't really killed our business. Uh, you know, we're, we still have revenue coming in. You know, March wasn't terrible. April's shaping up to be worse, but we'll, you know, we'll take it as it comes. You know, the, uh, yeah, and just, just try to keep things afloat. Like, I mean, the, the idea of any of us making any money this year is just like way out the window. We're just, just trying to keep these breweries alive and, uh, you know, keep them around so they still exist on the other side of this thing. Yeah, we, um, I mean, I said to our accountant, Melinda, I'm like, at least we don't have to worry about our budget this year and if we're going to hit it or not. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, but you're right. It's, it's like about trying to stay alive. I, I think there's um, a misconception out there from people that aren't in the industry that brewers are doing quite well right now because liquor store sales are up and they mm. don't necessarily, I've gotten a few comments from people outside of the industry being like, oh, you guys must be just crushing it right now. I'm like, right. no, I've laid off basically my entire team. And, and Steel and Oak was draft heavy, um, but we're still a small brewery. So some of that draft came from like three or four accounts. And that's how like weighted it was, just how big those accounts were. And we still have one draft account, which is Choices Market. And they buy our dark, our dark lager to make bread with. So huh. that is our only draft account right now. And, um, and everyone's making their own bread at home. Right I know, now. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can find flour, I couldn't even find flour last night. Oh, so, yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's you hard. need a friend that owns a pizza restaurant. That's what I'm doing. I, oh, yeah. I bought a 20 kilo bag from uh, Oh, from Graham? Pico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, now they've opened back up again for takeout, so maybe I can't do that next yeah. week. But, uh, I've been, my mom has been going because she's a senior. Uh, although if she's listening, she'll hate that I said that because I don't think she thinks of herself as one. But she goes for the morning shift. She was at. I was on the county line this morning. She was there at 7 texting me because I couldn't get some things last night. And sure enough, she was able to get flour for me so I can make my own bread, which is great. I've, nice. made, I've baked more bread in the last two weeks than I have in my entire life. I, I think the bread thing is so funny that it's just an expression of everybody's anxieties, you know, that your food security and your ability, your ability to control one thing. You know, I can control this fucking loaf of bread. I, yeah. The whole yeah. world is coming apart, but I can make this bread good. I was yelling. Don't at, take the joy out of this for me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's great. Yeah. I think everybody should do it. We, yeah. were, we were supposed to plant vegetable gardens last year in our, in our yard. And Alyssa and I were like, why the fuck did we not uh, do that, right? Why were we so lazy last year? And, uh, and now we don't have any vegetables. Well, we can get vegetables, thankfully. I, I, the vegetables always seem to be there at our corner grocery, which is great. But yeah. anyways, I'll go back to, to so Steel and Oak where we're at. Uh, quickly is we are fairly draft heavy. I think we're, I mean, when I think of draft heavy, we're, we're about 50, 50. Um, and, um, so that hurt a lot. Um, and we also lost the taste room, which is normally quite busy, which also hurt. Um, we did pick up that revenue in, uh, at least in the first two weeks, um, home deliveries and even beer to go in the taste room was insane. Um, but I know we've talked about this before, Ben, the difference between, you know, revenue and actually profit and um so right now it's just holding the people that i do still have employed afloat um at steel and oak we probably i actually have an excel spreadsheet that's how many people we've laid off so i can keep track um which is fucking terrible and um and i think we're down we've we've laid off maybe 10 people to to date um you know lots part-time in the tasting room um so this two thousand dollar a month thing is actually not bad for them right now um, and then, um, we basically brewed into all our tanks 
just to fill them up with flagships so that we could hold on. And, um, and the brew team has just slowly started to get chipped away a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it fucking sucks. And I think the first week it was just anxiety and I didn't know how to react. And I probably cried three times a day, just like, you know, the, the worst part was is our team was really good about it. They're like, I get it, Jordan. I get it. Don't worry about it. And that made it almost even worse, <laughs> even worse. And, um, but now I feel like we are, I mean, and it's hard to say cause things change daily, but like this week and last week feel stable, like for the new reality that we're in, where like they were still packed product was still good. Deliveries were still good. Beer to go was still good. But when I say good, I mean, just like enough to keep people employed and, and the lights on, um, but at least it seemed like it was consistent. Yeah. I so mean, I know what the, to expect. These last couple of weeks, like, it, it's almost a relief. Like, okay, everything's still fucked up in the same way. That's so great. Because those couple of weeks right. when everything was changing were so destabilizing. It's just, like, just oh, traumatic yeah. for everybody. You didn't just know what you were going to wake up to. To not know, like, one day to the next if you're going to be allowed to be open yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is really tough. And to not know, you know... W- yeah, to really have no idea. So, I mean, it does feel more stable, which is good. And, you know, I don't know, to put things in perspective for us, like, I mean, there will be people listening to this that have, you know, their businesses are in way more grave shape and they would love an opportunity to be looking at yeah. break even, right? Yeah. And yeah. so we are lucky for that. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, restaurants have it extremely hard right now. I yeah. mean, I, you know, at the same rate, there's breweries too. Like, you know, everyone's situation is different. So there's, there's breweries that their whole model has been really to depend upon people coming in the door and they're not built with the sort of scale, um, to distribute and definitely make money on that. And we yeah. know some of these breweries that I'm talking about. And like, we know that even though they're doing great and they make great beer, the people who own those businesses are not making much money. Um, so now those, you know, those breweries, they have to find ways to sell beer, uh, in cans, which will be a lot less profitable to them. And they're probably not equipped for, uh, and, and that's going to be really tough. I think it'll be so, difficult for them to get on shelf even because I know right now, right. at least the liquor stores that we've talked to, they, yeah. they definitely, they're just, they're just trying to keep afloat right now too. Right. They're just like, just send us what you sent us before and we'll replace it. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so like for, for a brewery that maybe was a taste room only model, which I think we were all, you know, you, you, you think of, and that's your pie in the sky idea of the best, the best scenario. Right. And yeah. now I'm like, Oh, thank God we do wholesale. And, wow. um, right. But, but for a brewery of that to be like, Oh yeah, now we're canning and we want to get into liquor stores. Any liquor store manager is probably gonna be like, I can't, I can't right now. Like talk to me in September. We're just trying to keep beer on the shelf right now with the right. customers that already have that tag in right. front of this. Yeah. It's know. like the week before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> like don't talk to me. Yeah. yeah. So, Wild. Yeah. um, Adam, maybe while we're, I mean, we're talking about other businesses other than our own. Do you want to touch? Cause you've been pretty heavily involved and, um, and I've known, but putting a lot of your focus behind, um, hospitality customers and our restaurant and bar partners and just mm-hmm. the effect that they're feeling and how dire it is for them right now and how important it probably is that people, if they still have money, try and spend yeah. it <laughs> well, know, for, for food to go at least. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I've, so I've got obviously a lot of friends that have 
restaurants and uh you know we all do i think at this point right i mean you've got a brother that does ben um and then uh you know jordan you've got business partners and uh, mike and lee at the drake right so um you know so yeah these are people i've been working with uh really closely for 10 years and formed or over 10 years now and formed lots of good relationships with so it's it's tough to hear from them about you know, well, just the fear that they have. I mean, like if for people out there that don't know, like breweries pay a lot of money in rent and we have pretty big spaces, but you like a tiny restaurant can easily pay ten to $15,000 in rent in Vancouver. Yeah. It, it could pay more. Um, so like w- restaurants don't make tons of money for sure. But, you know, what like most of the margin that they are able to make does go towards paying rent. So that's a huge number that when they have no money coming in, like they're not sitting on $50,000 to ride this kind of thing out. And I would say realistically, um, and maybe, I don't know if we want to play the speculation game. I can't see us going back into restaurants before June. Like I feel like there's no chance. I'm fine. I know they're they're saying end of June. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that there are for sure scenarios where, like Ben said, it comes back, it gets worse. Or when, you know, you're able to go to a restaurant, are people going to go like they did in February even? Probably not. February is a pretty shitty month for restaurant sales. So, um, like most restaurants, well, dine out is created to get, you know, people through January and February, right? Because people don't go to restaurants in January and February. And we'll be lucky to see those kinds of sales in the industry. So, I mean, that's really tough. And you look at the people who generally work in restaurants and it's not that I, I don't want to speak to their financials or anything, but like, you know, most people who work in restaurants are not sitting on, you know, piles of money to pay their rent for the next it's couple passion, of months. It's passion project. I, right. I, yeah. I think it's something that people don't get about. It's small businesses in general. It's not like right. these small business owners are, are rich people, you know, no. rich capitalists that are sitting around. Basically right. you invest a bunch of money and you've bought yourself a job. And, right. you know, you work 60 to 8 hours a week, and then maybe you make a slightly above average income if everything goes yeah. well. Like, these are not rich people, and they don't have piles of cash sitting around for crises. Right. No, no. No, and that's that's absolutely true. And I think that, you know, there's been a fair bit of help available to people so far, and I think there will be more. And we should definitely talk about Ben's initiative. Um, and, and that speaks, I think, more to some of the specific problems yeah. that the breweries have. But, in you know, in hospitality... Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. And there's been a couple things that have, I think started to work out well with delivery and the liquor board has actually been, you know, at, at least to allow brewer, or restaurants to sell the, you know, inventory that they have and try to recoup some funds on that. Um, we could get into the criminal LDB hospitality pricing that I think makes that even worse. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, the LDB is basically taking like 20% on what a restaurant sells for doing fuck all. Uh, specifically, if they're to buy beer from a local brewery, the LDB does not a goddamn thing. Yeah, on, and they, on, on top of on top, on top of their of regular markup, make. their wholesale markup. And there is some on. money in there, I would say, <laughs> that they potentially are entitled to make. Um, there, but... There's definitely a bunch more. The hospitality thing needs to go, and it shouldn't have been there in the first place. But, um, you know, the delivery stuff, I, I didn't quite realize how much work it was for a lot of restaurants to make that change. I mean, you know, like 
pizza is pretty well suited to takeout, but yeah. most other restaurants, like they make stuff that, you know, you're supposed to eat it right there. So you've yeah. seen a lot of restaurants take two weeks to come up with a new menu design for takeout. Um, and hopefully that works well. I mean, there's, uh, I actually just found out about this site and I'm not plugging it, uh, for any other reason. I thought it was pretty cool. It's called talk and T O K. And it's a, uh, it's basically like an open table, like for restaurant bookings. But in the last two weeks, they repurposed their site to be able to let their, uh, their restaurant partners do uh, ordering and delivery. Um, So you can go on there and there's a whole bunch of restaurants in Vancouver, like Savio Volpe uh, published. I'm going to forget all the other ones that are on there, but they have a whole bunch of, you know, like family style to go meals on there, which is great. So if anybody's looking for options that are better than what they normally see on DoorDash, that's a great place to go to try to support those businesses. Yeah. And there probably will be breweries on there, which is how I found out about, I got a sales call from them and was looking into that. But, uh, so, you know, it's, it's encouraging to see people do that. I don't know to the extent that that's going to help everybody, but I mean, if people can make enough money to pay their rent and keep some staff employed, but you know, the restaurant yeah. industry in BC, I, I think I was trying to find exact numbers on this, but based on what I could find for like the numbers of people that just work in like food service is like 7% of our labor force. Wow. Um, I'm not, somebody can fact check that for me later, but like it's a lot of people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, and that's not hospitality and tourism. That's just restaurants and food service. So it's, it's a massive number of people that uh, are really facing like not working. Like I, I have roommates. I live with a flight attendant and a chef. Shit. So yeah, not the best uh, time in the household. So no. it's uh, you know I'm lucky that I still have a job. But uh, well, it you looks know. like Air Canada's hiring all their people back. Yeah, but then I'm like, be. to do what? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. No, it said WestJet today was hiring 6,500 people back or something. That because that, that's my and yeah. and I think we'll probably transition to Ben's initiative because it, it's a good segue. Like my my issue with this. Uh, a lot of the, the the things that have been brought in outside of, you know, obviously the help for individuals, I'm talking more of a business point of view, is that, like, they're trying to encourage with this whole 70% um, or 75% uh, wage subsidy, they want you to hire people back on, which makes a ton of sense. But what about a restaurant or a place like, uh, if they gave me, they're like, hire your people back. I'm like, well, what would they do? Like, right now, we're basically running an operation based on the amount of sales we have. Like, what would I have them do at this point in time? Create more work, maybe, that doesn't make any money? I, I don't know, right? So I, I worry about, I actually worry about getting people back to work a little bit, even with this, this $2,000 a month thing right now. For some people, it doesn't, and I know that, there was, that there's thought of changing it to a minimum amount of hours. You could work 10 hours and still get your $2,000. But if we're trying to get people back working, we're going to have to do it slowly. And if we're going to do it slowly, is it going to make sense for them to even come back to work unless it's well over, you know, a 10 hour minimum in order to make up that difference, that $2,000 a month difference? I don't know. So, um, so maybe let's use this as an opportunity to segue over to what you've been working on, Ben. Um, and, uh, and, and you can kind of, uh, regale us with your, uh, with your initiative for, with you and your, your wife, Aaron. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> this isn't like normally my first impulse is to, to, you know, become a, an organizer or go political, I normally would just say a couple yes, of snide, it is. I'd say a couple of snide <laughs> things on Twitter and, you know, call people out on shit and then that'd be it. But my, my wife, uh, my incredibly intelligent and ambitious wife, Erin Miller, uh, started up, uh, uh, a petition, uh, with her, her genius sister, uh, Caitlin Havlak 
and they, they built a website over the course of a weekend. And I, I helped a little bit, like helping out with the copy and stuff like that. But really, it was, it was the two of them pushing everything. And they started up a, a petition um, at savesmallbusiness.ca. And the idea was just to ask the federal government and provincial government to a lesser extent, but the federal government for help. Because all these small businesses have been ordered to close. And, and as we've been talking about, a lot of them have zero revenue. I mean, restaurants can at least do takeout. But what are hairdressers doing? You know, like right. what, yeah. what are massage therapists doing and, and even dentists? Like what are these people doing? And they, and they still have to pay rent right now. Uh, we, had a, we had some three uh, – well, we've been in contact with a lot of other people across the country who've been, been working on this in various ways, writing editorials, organizing people. Uh, talking to business groups, and uh, you know, we came up with a kind of a, a list of uh, of points that we wanted to 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 cover. One of them was the wage subsidy, which you know we actually we got more than we wanted. But a- as you've been saying, the wage subsidy doesn't help a lot of small businesses. Uh, the way it was originally talked about, they said there was it was for small businesses and it wasn't going to be available to big businesses. And then I guess the big business lobby got to them over the weekend, and uh, and they changed it. Now I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing but it's mostly going to be used by big businesses you know people with deep pockets like WestJet and Air Canada can hire their staff back and I, I guess that's great for those people but it doesn't help you know the the small high street retailers and it doesn't help restaurateurs if your business is down to zero then a 75% wage subsidy is useless you're going to hire the people back to do what and with what money and the real issue they have is that they still have these other fixed costs holding, uh, floating over their head, rent being the main right. one, but also there's various financing costs and stuff like that. And, and a lot of these businesses in, in normal times are great businesses. They're profitable small businesses. They're the backbone of their community. And if we could find a way to, you know, just sort of press pause, you know, just, just put everything on hold for a few months so we can get through this quarantine they could start up again and be the same great little profitable business. But as it is, this incredibly destructive force is being unleashed on our economy. And a lot of these people are going to just go out of business. And we're still waiting for, for more from the federal government. And the other two points that we were asking for on savesmallbusiness.ca was um, a moratorium on, on rent of some kind, you know, some sort of rent abatement, and, and then on, on interest and financing charges. And I, I, right now, if these small businesses have been ordered to close, and right now, the way it's structured, they're the only ones bearing the, the cost of this shutdown. And for some reason, for landlords and banks, it's business as usual. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they should bear the, bear the full cost while, uh, while small businesses pay nothing, but it just needs to be shared down the real estate value chain straight to the banks with a ton of help from government so that, you know, that nobody bears too great a load. Right. And so far, we've seen nothing I've, I've, on, on those other issues. I've got a lot of sympathy for what the federal government is going through. And I think they've been great on a lot of issues. Yeah. But they just we're just trying to instill in them the, the urgency of this issue because we're, we're going to lose thousands of small businesses on May 1 if they don't yep. come up with something for rent. Yeah. I'm, and I'm actually curious, like, have you guys heard anything either like anecdotally or statistically just about – rent related issues for businesses as of april 1st well i mean we we've done some surveys but they were they were unscientific but something like i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna fuck these numbers up but something like 30 percent of people said that they were they were not going to make rent on april 1 yeah. and 70 percent said they weren't going to make it on april or on may 1, may 1 yeah. yeah now i've already yeah. seen a couple of small businesses in my neighborhood on commercial drive 
fold. They've announced that uh, Federico's oh, really? Supper Club is has gone under Shit. after. Oh, it's, what? It's twenty more than twenty years old. Oh and, man! You know, I, oh, man, it breaks my heart. I mean, yeah. not that I ever went there or would I, ever go there. It's I, not, I've been there twice, both oh, for you? Christmas <laughs> parties uh, with old girlfriends. Oh yeah, uh, my wife will hate that, but uh, but yeah, and uh, it was it was a riot. I mean, it is what it is, right? It's 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 all about him, yeah, right. And he's a great performer. It's it's awesome. It was that's oh, it's fuck, just that's too bad. It's just an institution, and yeah. I love I loved having that place ah, on my street, and it's gone. Like, yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Wow. And anyway, yeah, we're we're just starting to see all these businesses fold everywhere, and and. Through SaveSmallBusiness.ca, we've been gathering a lot of stories from small business owners, and it's heartbreaking. Like, mm. just just the the heart and soul that people have put into these businesses. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. One thing that, uh, like, we talked about rent, obviously, but you know, one thing that we didn't talk about a whole lot is just the the debt too, right? Like yeah. you had mentioned, obviously, you know what what you do as a small business owner a lot of the times is you you buy yourself a job, and I mean in reality that's that's often true. Now, if if you do well over the years, you can buy yourself a pretty awesome job and a company that has a lot of value. So let's yeah. say you borrow a million dollars and you start your brewery. You owe a million dollars, but over the years you pay that off and maybe you borrow more and you build it up. But at the end of that, you own an asset that is paying people, paying you and hopefully making some profit. And that's pretty awesome. And you own a bunch of assets within it. So that's great. But like most businesses today that are small, whether it's a restaurant or a brewery, they have a pile of debt. And so they've got their, you know, their rent that they owe every month. They also owe the bank a fuck ton of money every month just to keep all the shit that they have. And, you know, for people who are listening to this that, aren't in this situation almost all the time. Usually when you sign a lease, uh, anyway, definitely when you borrow money from the bank, they're going to ask you for what's called a personal guarantee. And that basically means that anything else you happen to own is, you know, yeah, they have right. a right to it. If you're unable to pay your mortgage, to pay your rent, to pay your, you know, if your, your loans. business folds, you lost your house. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that can happen to a lot of people. So most people that don't have a lot of money would, they basically would leverage their house. They would fill out a form that says, here's my personal statement of affairs. This is my, you know, this is my net worth. Um, my net worth is mainly, this is the debt I have that I owe the bank for a house that I get to live in. Uh, and, if I fuck up this business, you're going to take that from me too. And so that's another huge component. And the, the amount of debt that some people can owe on their businesses, I mean, that can be as great or greater than their rent too, depending on what the business yeah. is. Um, so, you know, that, that is another component. And one of the things that, uh, save, uh, save small businesses, you know, brought up, and I actually learned about it from a brewery in Toronto on their Instagram post. I didn't even know you were involved with it. Um, so I saw it from, uh, Burdock and, uh, Burdock brewery in Toronto and, uh, somebody on their Instagram thought they started and they're like, way to go. And they're like, we didn't start this. And I was like, I don't care who started this. And <laughs> I was just like, this is great. And then, uh, I, I was you are kinda, part of our, uh, group Slack channel. It's just, you're never on. So you would have not know well, that I, you would have been well aware. Did not know that I was a part of this. Yeah, yeah. You've been a part of it for like two years now. Oh, that's amazing. It would have been really helpful probably. I'm going to have to catch up on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll log in. Um, but anyway, yeah. Like, so, you know, one of the things that uh, Save Small Business was saying is that, you know, just more debt is not necessarily going to save no. all of these businesses. Now, as a business owner, I, I do have to say it's nice to have the option to take on a little more debt. Cause if somebody's like, Hey, do you want to borrow another $50,000 or do you want to lose your house and everything you own and shut this thing down and become insolvent? I'll borrow the $50,000. Right. Yeah. But yeah. that 
it, it is unfair to look at it as though all of the small businesses just need to borrow more money from the banks and become more indebted just to get through this so that they can keep people employed. So to the point of the, you know, the wage subsidy, though, too, that does help some people more than others. And I would say it does help keep some people employed. And even if you can keep fewer people employed than you, you know, than you otherwise would, uh, it's something. And so that's good. But the rent is a huge component. And I think that, you know, we're we're definitely going to see issues with that in the coming month, like May 1st. I mean, I know business owners who just said they're like, yeah, we're just not paying rent. It's going to default month. Like they're just like, we're just not sending it in and we're going to see what they say. Now, some people haven't heard from their landlords. I Uh, haven't heard. I mean, I we've we've sent our landlords all the checks for the year. And uh, and in all fairness, I did reach out to my landlord, but only to um, because my intention is to continue to pay rent until Mm -hmm. they tell me I'm not allowed to. And I don't want to broach that subject yet. Um, right. But I reached out to see how she was doing and how her family was doing and everything like that. Mm. And I still never heard back, oh, yeah. you know. And um, so we'll see. But I think, like, you know, going back to your, your point about, you know, just the, the amount of debt that we're just deferring, we're going to mm. have to pay it anyways. Like, right. you know, you go when this stuff happens, I know at least for me, like I went to my worst case scenario, right? Mm. Right away. I'm like, okay, what does this actually mean? Mm. Right. And if if we go under then yeah, they're going to come after me and they're going to take my house and my wife and my two kids and I are going to have to probably move in with my parents or something like that. At least we have that option. Right. Right. You know, and, and, um, I mean, and and I don't think it'll get to that, you know, for, for steel and oak, but it is a reality for a lot of people. Right. Well, I mean, if it, if it gets that way for some people, it's going to get that way for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, if it gets that way for a lot of people, do you not, hope or think that there'll be something larger than that so not right. everybody is defaulted on there for sure and you there know, has, it has to, to be right it has to be and the federal government is going to get there sooner or later i just well yeah we're just trying to hurry them to this conclusion yeah. and, and amplify people's stories and stuff yeah. like that you know we're, we're basically just providing a platform for people to to tell their stories and get the story like mm. yeah raise the consciousness of the federal government to the point where they realize that this is a fucking catastrophe yeah, yeah. And and i don't it, normally swear Yes, you do. <laughs> um, and it can't, yeah, it can't get a lot worse. I mean, just to say one more thing, like uh, in defense of some landlords too, I mean, the, you know, people throw around a lot, the rent and landlords, and it sounds like, you know, you've got this ultra rich person who owns something that uh, is holding you over the barrel. And I mean, they've got obligations too in a oh, lot of cases, sure. right? And, and and not all landlords, like some landlords are small business owners. Who, our, our landlord is. Our landlord right. owns our, our building, the one across from us, and then one more in Surrey, and, and that's it. And, and a lot of other landlords are, are, are pension funds, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that money is going somewhere. It's, it's right. paying for somebody else to and live. Yeah, that you know, is how the whole system works. I mean, you know, for our example, like we were in this new building that we've had that we're building at our brewery in, and we a while ago actually reached out to our landlord to just talk to them about some things because we've had numerous unexpected expenses and uh and we're delayed and we were just like oh, i mean these people own a pretty large building in down like you know downtown vancouver essentially in the east end of vancouver and so we're like you know they'll probably be all right and then we found out that they own that building because their father started a print shop in that building and he was able to buy that building and they've been waiting for us to start paying rent because they have three generations of family that that's their income. Fuck. So I'm like, 
Oh, this brewery better work out great for, <laughs> thanks for that added pressure, you know? And it's like, so they're not, they're not a, a you know, they're not just like really wealthy landowners. No. I mean, they're lucky that they have that and that's, that's great. And like, you know, but it was, it was just very humanizing to have that conversation with them. One, I mean, I happen to be a landlord too. Like I own a townhouse that I rent out because I bought it years ago and through various circumstances ended up with that. And I don't want to live out in the suburbs where that is. And, you know, it's like... Why not? The suburbs are great. Suburbs are... This is even further than New West. Oh, okay. This is... Yeah, this is... Uh, it's not the central... Yeah. It's not the no, center it's of in, the universe? It's in, yeah, it's in Pitt Meadows. Oh, okay. So, um, but, Have you I know, mentioned New West yet today on this podcast? Just there. Oh, okay. Actually, I think Take I did it first. Box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one can see you, but you're wearing a lot of things that say New West. So. Uh, Anyway, yeah, like it's just, you know, and like I have a mortgage that I've got to pay on that and I need the, I need my tenants to pay yeah. rent too. And so hopefully, I guess the point of all this is that what the government can do and what the banks can do is they can extend some relief to those people. So like, you know, there are a lot of landlords who have mortgage payments that they need their tenant yeah. to pay. So they, so it's, you know, it's, it's a big ecosystem Yep. And it, uh, it, every element of it is going to need relief. And it's just the people who are going to feel it first are, you know, are those small business owners. But eventually it'll ripple through everything else. And yeah. I mean, a lot of people are seeing it now. So yeah. it's uh, I don't think there's anybody that's yeah, completely I, untouched, but it's obviously worse for certain. I don't think this others. is a, a matter of like tenants versus. No, not, no, at, no, all. I think not this at all. Is, yeah, I just, you know, tenants should hold hands with landlords yeah. and 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 go begging, you know, yeah. and go, go ask the federal government for help together together. Yeah. Cause we both need the help. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want a beer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'd be great. Okay. I'm going to yeah, hit pause beer. here and hope that this saves. So we didn't lose 38 minutes of audio. Sales just so you know, I'm, I'm going to record just in case something interesting comes out of this, but okay. I'll just delete it. Yeah, if I just don't does. really want to name names. No, 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 but it's it, totally fair. It's more like, you know, speculating on a brewery of that design would, it would be, I would see it being a big challenge because what your core business is to sell 16 different beers in your place selling and making 16 different beers. Cause you're, you're set up to make lots of small beers to sell that in package somewhere. That's going to be real hard. So now you have to make like one or two beers and focus on those and get those out. I hit and record I, for you listening at home while we were having a beer, uh, just in case something interesting came out of it. And so I think we should probably continue with, cause I think it yeah. is like just how breweries are now going to have to change their business model. Right. Like, and, and is this the end of the tasting room only model? Dun, dun, dun. But no, but seriously, like, are you going to have, who's going to have the guts to do a tasting room only model now going I, forward? Do you think that's going to be a thing still? Yeah. I, I mean, we'll go back. Like, I mean, fuck, we've survived way worse than this. Right? I haven't. Like, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's been a lot of history since what is it 1984 or whatever you were born in 83 83 there you go so yeah. yeah i'm 82 so like yeah humanity's been through a lot worse and people are still going to restaurants now funny enough if you had asked me in february can you ever like i think all the time like i stress out about like oh this could happen then that could happen the thought of like not being able to go to a bar or restaurant yeah. was not on my fucking yeah. radar no, at neither. all no not like under no circumstance would I be like, can you imagine? Like, if I had brought that up to you guys and we were just having beers, you'd be like, Henderson, shut the fuck up. You're crazy. Yeah. When, like, you're, when you're scenario planning, contingency planning for your business was one of the scenarios yeah. that the on-premise business would be gone completely, right. down like to zero. People just wouldn't be allowed. And 
when we do open, and this is what I'm concerned about. So rather than speculate on other businesses, yep. I'll, t- I'll talk about. Well, mine, we were speculating on other businesses during the break, but yeah, we decided but, not to record that. So well, just like so, what we're going to have to do. So Superflux is set up like our new space uh, is going to be. We have a production capacity, um, and we have uh, like we plan to continue and grow our wholesale business, and which is you know has been draft and package, and then we have a tasting room that we're building, which is we've been fighting to get that to be as big as allowable in Vancouver, which would be about sixty five to sixty seven seats. And our whole plan for the next year was to make sure that everybody that has ever had a glass of our beer knows that that fucking place is open and that they come in there and they drink our beer and that that's a cool place to go and hang out. Like that has been priority number one. It it is not now. So like we, you know, we hope to open sometime this summer. Um, but now I'm worried and with obviously really good cause that when we can open the doors to that place, which there's still plenty of red tape and hoops and all that shit to jump through, let alone to finish. Super flux is opening this summer. You heard it here first, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're allowed to go to places, potentially, maybe it will probably be open, pencil it in as a possible likelihood. (laughs) We'll we'll see. So, but when it opens now, will it, Will people go out the same? Because there will be a hangover effect there, pardon the pun, I guess. But, like, there will be an effect of, first of all, like, there's going to be camps of people who are like, well, it's still socially irresponsible. And there's going to be shaming and there's going to be all that bullshit. There's also going to be fear. And and also people just are developing new habits right now that are going to be hard to break. And people Mm. aren't going to have as much money. That too. Who are the people that most go to bars and restaurants? People who work in bars, bars and, restaurants. and restaurants, right? Like, yeah. so that's, you know, that's going to have a huge impact. And like, it's a, it's I, a circular economy. Yeah, it's, I mean, absolutely. And so, so what we're going to have to do and what we've been thinking about doing is, I mean, maybe we change not our model because we've committed pretty hard to what that yeah. space is going to be. But I mean, on one hand, I'm considering, do I suspend the construction of the tasting room until such a time and then divert those funds into increasing our package business. Now there's a huge risk to that though, because you know, I haven't put a lot of resources behind that, but we've also like, we we kind of only have one way out. We committed to a pretty large building. So our brewery is 10,000 square feet, which is pretty large um, for a new brewery. But we put that in perspective. If you're listening and and you haven't been to our breweries, steel and Oak is about 3,500 square feet. With another fifteen hundred square foot warehouse, Ben, do you know you how have much? like five thousand Ben or something. I, I, I got about seventy five hundred square feet, including my my three not so useful as mezzanines. Okay, right, okay, and so yeah, and so that includes our tasting room, our retail store, our offices, and our production area. Um, and we wanted the space because, like, we figured that that would allow us to grow eventually, making the type of beer that we make to ten thousand barrels a year, ish, and it's not our plan to push to that right away. Our plan was let's do really well in the tasting room, yeah. kind of grow, you know, 25 or so percent for the next couple of years in our wholesale and do that slowly and organically. And we'll be in a very comfortable spot. And cause the tasting room, as Ben said, that's what drives most of your revenue. So like roughly speaking, and this depends on what kind of beer you sell, but for people listening for every dollar you sell in your restaurant or sorry, in your tasting room or in your lounge, 
you kind of make like three times the profit you would for the beer you sell elsewhere. I mean, that's roughly how I've looked yeah. at it. And it, so it's you you would much rather get a dollar in the tasting room than get yeah. a dollar at the liquor store, get a dollar at a bar or restaurant yeah. on tap. Um, and so, you know, you can it, the other way of looking at it is like I could do a third of the volume there and make as much profit. And again, when we say profit, it's that's operating profit. That's the profit that we use to pay our rent, pay our yeah. staff, pay all our bills, pay pick up the garbage, pay all that shit, pay WorkSafe BC, pay ICBC, pay (laughs) pay all that stuff. So, um, it's not, you know, take that money and whatever. Go have a money fight. (laughs) So, uh, and so for us, we've got to look at like, what what are we going to do for that? And we, we are, you know, I'm developing a plan right now that is a real hard look at like, how do I, break even and just better on just package and it's selling a lot more package than we used to and but i have to like i have to at least have that plan ready for execution when we open now and we may have to do that so uh yeah i don't know what's what's popular to make right now other than ipas that i can sell a lot of martin Martin. Martin. okay yeah i I gotta say this martin's delicious thank you steel and oak martin is excellent go out and buy some thank you and it's in a bomber bottle so we'll actually make some money off it which is great (laughs) um buy that people (laughs) buy that the um um it was really good thank you yeah well i mean not like not i made it but you know it's it's actually a pete recipe uh yeah i hope pete's doing okay i haven't talked to him in a while yeah um so i mean you know you talk about shifting um business models the i read an article the other day about how like that this is that winter is coming and that this is just the beginning of it and that that businesses will not operate the same way after this. Like right. even our business, well, we'll get back to some, some semblance of normal, but mm-hmm. we're also going to learn a few things throughout the process that we may change how we operate. Right. Like I look at all the keg shares I have right now, all the kegs I have, right. I'm not going to need all those kegs. There's no way. Yeah. And because like you said, uh, Ben, is that like maybe people when, or maybe Adam said this, I don't know, but anyways, somebody will call me out on it. Um, but when restaurants do open, they're not going to be going through draft like the same they were. People aren't going to have the money. People aren't going to want to congregate still, um, or at least in smaller groups. Or the government may roll it in smaller. Like, we've got 50 right. occupancy in Steel and Oak. And if you've been to Steel and Oak, it's a tight 50. When you're in here with 50 people, right. like, you are basically rubbing shoulders with the next person. And so, like, they're not going to let me have 50 people in there. Just and, hand out chloroquine at the door or whatever. Yeah. That's the drug, right? Then. I have no idea. The one that doesn't work, you make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where um, you talk about 67 people for, we're, we're getting close on our, well, we were getting close on our Herald Street project, which is um, um, Steel and Oak is partnering with the Drake Eatery on a brewery in Victoria. And this sucker has 178 occupancy. And the. It's in, not huge. Yeah. No, and it's not. And it's a, it's a tight 178. And the entire business model is just to sell beer in the tasting room. Um, so I. You know, we're at the point now, too, where it's like, well, like, we're probably only like two or three weeks out from being able to make beer if the government can get back to us in time to do all our approvals, which I'm sure they're backlogged. Um, But now what? Right. Right. I mean, now I guess we call in a canning line and can it all and, and, you know, and just have basically our brewer on salary and and Mike, Mm -hmm. um, because the Drake's closed down right now, just working for free, just hawking beer out there in Victoria. Like, I, I... I don't know. Now that is one scenario where we've been lucky. Our we did reach out to our landlord, and they were willing to um, to give us a bit of break on rent for this month, which is great. Um, so, um, but um, I haven't heard that scenario quite often with anybody else that I've talked to a break on right. rent. But, but I think we're all going to have to change how we 
We're going to have to change a bit for at least in the next 18 months to two years, I think, well, to that's, be honest, right? Yeah. Of how we, I mean, how we do business. I've been concerned about that. I mean, on one hand, to give people an idea, my point of view is like opening a brewery, you're just getting shit on by every level of government for, yeah. it's been like two years of that. So I'm definitely concerned and pessimistic about the government imposing new restrictions as a result of this that will hamper my business. I guess at the same rate, there's like a, there is obviously a social responsibility component where I don't want the resurgence of coronavirus starting in my tasting room. No. Right. So like no. you want, that's kind of worst case scenario. No, I know. Right? I know. But like, I'm being, uh, that's hyperbole for sure. But like you don't want, you don't want to be doing the wrong thing because the social norm is going to change. Yeah immediately like the moment restaurants shut down like the amount of shaming that was happening online for people who were even posted old photos of them in groups were like okay it's like just tone it down a little bit like you know everyone's doing their best and restaurants admittedly they acted out of like their own volition before they were most acted to shut down before they had to shut down right and and I think that that's great. So I, I don't know what the answer is going to be going forward, but that's going to my point is that's going to change the landscape of how all this looks for a while. Now, like I said before, it will be temporary and we yep. will get back to it. And one thing I don't think that small businesses should stand for is allowing permanent imposition uh, from the government that reduces our you know capacity like permanently. Yeah. I think. It, it might be in the best interest of the hospitality community to like come up with a plan of their own. That's like, Hey, we're going to enact this for a while yeah. um, in order to be socially responsible when things get back to normal. Um, but like, you know, it, it is going to change things a lot. And I just, I, I am a little worried about a massive overreaction uh, just on all fronts for yeah, the you're worried that period. the government's going like, to be like you can't have 30 or more people in your tasting room restaurant at a time and then who the fuck right. can make any money at that right I, I find it encouraging the way that we went into this though we went into it incrementally and they right. I, I felt that they were quite careful not to overreact yeah, at I any agree. stage that you know I mean with Dr. Bonnie Henry is is now one of my favorite people yeah talk in the about world. who's getting free beer for life and no, stealing oh, shit. Yeah, anytime she, she shows up yeah. she's, uh, she's got her tab paid for Dr. It, Bonnie if you're listening I know you're not if I come to Daggerad, I'll give you loads. You don't of free think crap. she's busy right now? <laughs> you know what? It's it's weird how quickly things change. Like two weeks, what was it? Two or three weeks ago, like I remember coming back. And you know, you talk about shaming a little bit. I was in Victoria, um, and then it was for Victoria Beer Week. My event got canceled um, the day before, but we'd had a we'd already booked our hotel. We were going to take our son Jude over to have like kind of a break from his brother. And we're like, well, let's just go anyways. Like, the event's canceled. But we weren't in that mode yet where we were really worried about it. And then we got on the ferry, and we stayed in our car. And then Jude had to go to the bathroom, so we went up to the deck, and there was nobody there. And and it was the eeriest thing. And then we get into our hotel, and there's no one in the hotel. And our hotel had a nice view because they upgraded us because there was no one in the hotel. <laughs> and so we had a great view of the parliament buildings and the street and everything, and there were no cars on the street. And we were supposed to, on the Saturday, we were going to go to the museum and take him to like an IMAX movie or whatever. And we just went home. And then I came home and then it was Saturday and the brewery was banging. I was like, why the fuck are we so busy right now? And I'm like, and it felt weird, but nothing had really come out yet on, on what 
the protocol was. And then Sunday was super busy as well. But Sunday was a different kind of busy. It was like people were trying to like stock up busy. Frantic busy. Yeah. Panic yeah. buying and busy. Then, and then on Monday we announced that we were going to, to basically going to, to go only like that quick, like in a day. And I remember we got an email from somebody that came in on the Sunday to get beer. And that already was already on shame mode was like, you know, I was so appalled to see so many people in your brewery or in your tasting room. And, you know, your guys' beer is great, but you suck. And I was like, that sucks. Don't tell me I suck. Mm. Like, you know, and, and so I think, you know, it just changed like in a day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like on Saturday, that person's that person's opinion might have been different. Right. right. And and so it's like it just changed so fast. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I was going to, the reason I started making that point is because now I find, like, I have a, an alarm that tells me to listen to Bonnie Henry at three o'clock. Yeah. And it's like, she's like now must see TV where it's like every day she's part of my routine. Right. Which is weird. You know? So weird. Yeah. Sorry, Ben, I interrupted yeah, you. were going to uh, say something. No, I was going to say something that, that when, when the paradigm shift happened, when everybody went from, you know, the before times through this realization that we were, we were crossing into a new world, that this thing was really serious. I remember that not everybody came to the realization on the same day. No. And you could, right. you could talk to people and, you know, you, you know, like they would say something. You'd be like, oh, my God, you're two days ago still. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you haven't caught up with me yet. And <laughs> then you can watch them over it. the course of the next couple of days. Yeah. Like I remember my in-laws, you know, they were they were laughing. It's like, oh, they're re- overreacting. This isn't as bad as the flu. I'm like. Oh man! And then I watched them over the course of the next two or three days. And the next thing I know, my father-in-law is is emailing me tips on how to clean surfaces yeah. uh, to kill coronavirus on surface. Like, nope. yeah, it just just watching it happen was so crazy. I mean, right. I know my own parents, and um, I don't know if they know how to operate a podcast, but I think they listen. Um, but we had felt that they didn't take it that seriously right and they're in the my parents are very active so they're in, in great shape great health but my dad's 70 and, and yeah. my mom's 66 and um but my, my wife and i we were talking about how we felt like our parents weren't taking it serious enough right and it wasn't until we told them that they weren't going to see our kids that unless they kind of just you know isolated themselves for 14 days so that we could be assured of what you know where they've gone and what they've done that that was when it started to hit home for them it's like wait what do you mean i'm like yeah you can facetime and stuff but like we just need to all do our part at this point in time and just hunker down a little bit and and so then they started to take it seriously and i think still they're you know i also think that they're old enough now where they have a lot more perspective and they're like, we're probably all going to get this thing. So, you know, there's no point in worrying about it. Right. How, how are your kids taking it? So Jude is, I mean, Lennox is, a, is still, he's one, so he doesn't know right. what's going he doesn't on. Know he just thinks it's great that mom and dad are home all the time. <laughs> but Jude is definitely starting. He's four and he'll be five in August. And so he understands that there is a germ. That's basically what we've told him. Like there's a germ. And because of the germ, we need to make sure that we keep our hands out of our mouths and we wash our hands and... Unfortunately, right now, we're not going to go to daycare, which is great. You get to hang out home with mom. My wife, thankfully, has a, um, a, a, a great boss that's allowed everybody to work from home. And so she's still working full time, uh, which is great because she's the primary breadwinner of our house at this point in time. And, um, and that you can't see, you're, you're going to be able to see grandma and grandpa. You can talk to them on FaceTime, but you're not going to have your grandma and grandpa uh, days for the next little while until the germ calms down and he seems to understand that. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, cause of the germ. Right. And sometimes he'll bring it up and he's like, you know, my birthday, maybe, you know, if the germ's over, we could have some people over. And sometimes it's like, it fucking breaks your heart. Right. And, totally. um, so uh, I don't want to get teary on my podcast, but, uh, 
but yeah, he understands it and he's kids are resilient. Right. And like, we've done, we've tried to do such a good job of like being like, you don't watch TV. You don't do like you, he's a creative kid. Right. But like, that's fucking thrown out the window at this point in time. We're just trying to survive. Like my wife and I, we see each other, but like, we don't, we're just, we're just living together at this point in time because I work during the day and then she works at night uh, from the desk. So we're basically just handing kids off. Right. It's tough on people. Like it's going to be like, I've always been pretty proud that like, I'm not, we all carry a lot of stress, right. With running a small business, but like, I've always been fairly proud that I've been better as time has gone on and how to handle that stress. And I do let things roll off my back a little bit and having kids helps that because it helps put things in perspective. But at the same point in time, this is such a stressful moment for people that, that do have kids or are trying to juggle working as a, a unit at home. Um, and it's, it's mentally draining. And so, you know, I think the other thing too is, and my worry a lot is like people that have significant mental health issues, like, you know, and I, I yeah, this is a mental health catastrophe. Oh man, is it ever? Cause I know I'm fucking stressed and, and I don't know if I'd call it depressed, but I'm definitely, I mean, I'm, I've fucking lost 14 pounds since February just because I haven't been eating. I found them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, that's what I said to Alyssa, my wife. I'm like, you either go one way or the other, right? You either overeat because you're stressed or you stop eating. And so like I, I, and so I look at myself and I think of myself as somebody that I would never say that I've ever had mental health issues. Sure. I have stress and anxiety just like anybody else, but, um, the fuck I worry about, about people I do know that have that. Right. And, and, um, I'm, I'm grateful for my kids. They, you know, they, they make me keep getting up in the morning. They make me, you know, not have another beer in the evening. Cause I know I got to get up and face, face twin three and a half year olds. But what yeah. have you told them? I mean, they're three and a half, so they're probably still a little bit young that they, or do they understand what's going on? Yeah, they understand what's going on. We yeah. talk about the sickness in our house and, yeah. you know, why they can't see their friends and why they, they can't see their grandparents who they used to be with four days a week oh, and wow. why swim class is canceled yeah. and why ball sports class is canceled and, and ballet class is canceled and they can't play on the playground equipment and it's heartbreaking. That was yeah. the one that killed me, that we were at, we were at a park the day that they announced the playground equipment was closed oh, and I had to tell them that they couldn't use this stuff anymore. It had to just stand there. Yeah. But the kids are like incredibly resilient. Yeah. I mean, they're taking it better than I am for sure. I don't see them staying up late drinking. Um, <laughs> no, no. You know what? It's like, and I, I, and we've talked about this online before Ben, but like how thankful I am that we have a backyard at this point in time. Oh like my if you're, God. If you're a parent right now and you're living in a, in a condo, like kudos to you for just making it work. Because I can't imagine, thankfully, we've had nice weather and we've been able to, you know, put the kids outside and have some sort of semblance of normalcy for them, right? And, and um, I, I think, too, the, I mean, trying to pull positives out of it, and I think it's dangerous, and I don't want to, say, pull positives out of a situation where people are dying, because that's not, you know, that's not my intent, but... We're talking about a silver lining, though. Yeah, and, and um, the silver lining, I think, for, at least for me, is it's made me slow down, and, like... You know, I was on self-isolation for 14 days. Jude and I, uh, my son has asthma, and we both got a bit of a cough, and so we're really cautious with him. And even though this thing doesn't seem to affect kids, it's still always, you know, a year ago I was in children's with him for a week, and I just never wanted to experience that again. My son's asthmatic, too. I know where you're coming from. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, we're just going to take 14 days, right? And it was was like, I mean, I cleaned out my basement, Uh, you know, we we did the garden. It was was great, right? And, um, And so I think... Um, a friend of mine was like, you know, this is going to help us slow down 
and realize what's actually important in our lives. And, and we won't have to feel like we're missing out if we're not going out every night, you know, and, uh, we won't have as much FOMO as, as like the FOMO period is passed. It's done. Cause no one else is doing anything you're, either. You're, so there's nothing not, to be, you're not with, missing out on anything. It's not on, right? And, and uh, uh, I'm laughing right now because as the parents are having a serious discussion, uh, Adam is pouring himself another beer on the other yeah. side of the room. He's got a dog. He's a dog dad. You see how much he loves. He never used to post on Instagram until he got that dog. And now he, he's, he's, he's a new parent. That is true. Yeah. That but the, um, but, and the other thing too, it's also done for me is that I'm, like one of my, my bestest friends lives in San Francisco now. And like, we went down to visit him at Christmas, which was great. And like, they've had a new baby, but never once have we ever FaceTimed. And he's lived in San Francisco for like two and a half years. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it took <laughs> this for us to actually connect online when we wouldn't be seeing each other anyways. Right. So yeah, I think yeah. for, for some of that, it's, it's helping me, you know, reconnect with friends or at least have meaningful conversations with people. I right? did the same thing with my friend in Belgium, Inga, uh, who, you know, I've been great friends with her for a lot of years and she's come to Canada to visit every kind of every other year lately. And we had an hour together on video chat and we have never done that before in like all our years of knowing each other. Yeah. And like suddenly we're connecting like that, which was great. It is. It's funny. I've found too, like you, uh, I mean, I've heard from people I haven't heard from in a long time, which is great. But then also, like, you'll just be on the phone with, like, I don't know. I was talking to, like, our electrical lighting supplier for yeah. the brewery. The guy's like, so how, how are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and not in the, hey, how are you? Good. Yeah, okay, me too. And then it was like, how uh, how are you doing through this? And it was, like, genuine. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm just like, you know, he's like, I'm sitting here watching a lot of TV and getting some Netflix on, get to hang out with – and it's like, it's kind of funny. You're just like, you're actually having, like, a real conversation because you're, like, just starved for connection. Oh, you totally <laughs> are, right? Like, like yeah. I forgot how much I – and, like, I was always a hugger to begin with, but, like, I really miss – Hugging people. Oh man, and Hand, handshakes. I fight myself not to shake people's hands. Yeah. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. It's tough, right? And um, it's funny. Like you talk about like your suppliers and and, and working and how it, it brings some normalcy to like generally like. And I think we're probably better now than you know maybe our parents were. Where work was very you know you don't bring your home life into work. You don't talk about it. You don't do any of that. Sorry, my mom's texting yeah. me if you can hear that that she got <laughs> some she got some flour baking flour for me, oh, which is great. Nice. Sweet. Thanks, mom. Um, go. But um, my, my wife is, uh, she's an interior designer and, and so she works on condo developments and there, there's a couple big projects she's got on the go. And so I can hear her talking to her suppliers on the phone. Meanwhile, our one and a half year old only wants her. And so he's like, mommy, mommy, like crying. And then, and then she's laughing and then she can hear on the other end of the line that that person is also working at home that also has kids. And it starts this whole conversation about like, well, right. how old are your kids? And like, it, it makes you connect with... Yeah. I think we're going to connect with people better after this. Like I think is, we generally yeah, yeah. are going to care about, you know, who we're talking to on the phone. It is and, interesting. It is a bit of like, a, yeah, as Ben said, a silver lining and it, it's humanizing. I think that component, like it happens, it's happening a lot now. And I, everything is like one of the good things in a way. I mean, it's bad for the economy obviously. And it's because of a thing that isn't positive, but a lot of stuff is just slowed down. Like yeah. there's a big collective breath. Um, which is kind of nice. Like I 
I've never experienced anything no. like that everywhere where you just kind of see like people do have just like a little bit more patience. I guess on the flip side, I've seen a lot more just sort of normal people yelling at each other on the street. I don't know yeah. if you guys have noticed this. But I, I haven't noticed. I've, I haven't oh, I've noticed seen it, it at the park. I've seen like... Cause some, That's because everybody in the West is fucking well, lovely. Yeah. So not like the big smoke where you're from where That's everybody... That's true. Hate, no. Well, so, I think to what Ben was saying, people are getting to different points at different times. Yeah. And some people are like fucking freaking out like some people's paranoia is is way further advanced than (laughs) other people's paranoia and some people's yeah and so it's you know parts of that are a little crazy but in general i've found that it's been it has been pretty positive uh in that sort of sense in terms of the interpersonal communications and stuff so but yeah i mean we'll see i suppose how that continues i think i think we're still lucky in that I, I don't think most people are out there genuinely fearing for their lives, which is good. I mean, people are concerned and cautious. But yeah. Like if, you know, if... Unless you're 75 yeah. or 80. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think, that, well, again, I actually don't talk to that many people that are 75 or 80, so I don't know how in yeah. general They don't buy Superflex. Co- <laughs> I don't know how that cohort feels. Well, I talked to, you know, mom and dad. My parents are in their 70s. I was just, when Ben was talking about people getting there at different times, I pulled up my phone because I was trying to remember what uh, what my dad said. It was March 31st, and he texted me. He's like, hey, you okay? This is serious shit now. Be safe. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, this was March 31st. Like, two like, and a half every, weeks late yeah, to the party. Everything <laughs> was closed for like two weeks. And, my, I'm, and this was like 10 o'clock Toronto time where my dad lives. And I was, he's just sitting there. He's like, fuck. <laughs> I got I to text my boy. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was pretty funny. Yeah. And so. Well, uh, I know but, Jamie, like uh, my business partner, Jamie. Oh, take another box on your bingo card. There you go. Uh, and, um, and. Was he, drinking some Royal City and <laughs> yeah, and um, but I mean he definitely and and in all fairness to Jamie he's very practical and he tends to not get stressed out about things and uh, and I remember having the conversation was like yeah I I really thought this thing was going to blow over I'm like yeah no man this is like some serious shit and uh, and he's like yeah I, I don't I think it's I don't think it's going to blow over that fast I'm like. No man, like no, it's it's not. Where have you fucking been? This is, right? is going to define and, at least uh, the next year of our yeah, lives. Yeah, and which uh, which yeah. is a, a quality because he's going to listen to this, and now I'm going to have to you know, which is a quality I love about him because I generally, I I'm already going to the worst case scenario well before it could even possibly happen, and he's always a pretty good voice of reason to bring me back to reality a little bit. But uh, and unfortunately, this time you were right. Ah, take that, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I you know it's. Uh, are, are, do you think your business is going to change, Ben, how you operate after this is all said and done? I know we talked about getting back to normalcy maybe a couple couple years later, but in the in the short term, are you going to continue to hammer hard with home delivery, or are you gonna are you gonna shift, or are you going to kind of just continue as is and just try and pinch pennies where you can and keep your costs in line and make sure there's a dag red when we come out of it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, pinching pennies is is a thing, and uh, you know we're just just gonna. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out of my mind the possibility of like making any progress with my debt, for example, this year. Like, we're just going to try to keep the team together and just keep it going and, and play it by ear. Yeah. Fortunately, I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of diversified. You know, we, we did some draft, we did wholesale packaged. We're not too reliant on our tasting room revenue. And so we can kind of shift whichever direction. Um, I, I used to be jealous of people who were, had really, you know, tons of tasting room revenue. And now I'm like counting my blessings. But yeah, we're we're just going to shift whichever way we we need to shift to keep to keep Daggerad alive, you know. Yeah. Uh, they make it so we can keep making Daggerad blonde, which is what this is always about in the first place. Well, have you um, 
uh, I mean, speaking of just making dagger at blonde, have you diversified your like? Because we're going through this at Steel and Oak, trying to figure out what the next steps are now that we've got some sort of new normal. And it's do we just keep brewing flagships and keep them stocked, or are we getting to a point where, again, we do need to make some limited releases to keep people interested, or are we just trying to stay afloat? What What are you What are you going to be doing? This is going to sound really cheesy, but I've. We've decided at Daggerhead that our job is to create joy during this crisis. Yeah, no, that's no, that's and yeah, we're going to come up with new releases yeah. and we're going to we're going to keep doing things. And well, shit, now we are too. They're, Thanks, yeah, man. they're going to be they're going to be you know maybe unnecessarily expensive to do because people would have drank the flagships yeah. anyway, but like they'll be more fun, you yeah. know. And yeah, whatever we can do, you know, we're just going to a survive and b have as much fun as we possibly can because yeah. like it's really hard to have fun right now. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's tough, and you know we got to be there for people and do whatever we can. So you're not paying that much attention to ordering new raw ingredients, getting new design costs for new labels, packaging, all of that stuff. You're past that point already. You're doing that. Yeah, well. we're doing that. We're running yeah. a brewery, you know, and yeah. we'll see because we'll lower our volumes if we have to. You know, I mean, I think a, a lot of the retail surge in the last few weeks was people panic buying and yeah. hoarding, and we're I think maybe starting to see the flip side of that: people buying less beer. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I expect generally business to be down, but it's still going to be business. We're still going to make beer, and we're. Yeah. See, I've got us in a standstill right now that I'm today, after this podcast is recorded, we're making the decision on what beers we're going to do going forward, where I've literally like, do not order any more raw ingredients. We make what we've got. If we have the ingredients for it, we're making it. If we don't, we're not making it. Uh, Fill the tanks with flagships so we can keep our liquor stores supplied, and then we'll make a call down the road because, I mean, but obviously we made this decision a couple weeks ago, um, but we've got a few empty tanks. I'm like, okay, well, what what do we put in those, right? And do we still need to keep you know, normally we use the limited releases to get people down to the tasting room and, and we don't have a tasting room anymore. So, um, I'm like, well, do we just keep making these flagships to make sure our liquor store partners are stocked with what they need or are things going to go back to normal where they're going to be like, what do you guys have next? Right. And I guess, you know, you've kind of answered my question for me. So yeah, please make limited releases so that people have something to look forward to for fuck's sakes. There's so you don't little think they're right looking now. forward to fucking Royal city. Ale? They are on, looking- <laughs> it's, a gr- it's a great beer. It's actually Jordan's bestseller. Uh, but yeah, I mean, of course they are, but like, you know, some, some kind of change, some kind of, Oh man, I'm bringing like, back ESB for sure. Do it. Check your bingo card. <laughs> uh, Adam, I mean, you're probably not going to change how you guys operate. With 2,000 hectoliters, you're kind of got set in stone what you're... Well, that's at Strathcona. So right. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, if you're going to be open we, in the so summer. We were planning to change everything about our business anyway as we open up our new space. Were so, you guys going to change, like, and I'm getting off topic, but, like, were you guys going to change away from... I'm not away from IPAs, but... Smoke you, German beer is all we <laughs> <to> do. <laughs> do you want me to contract brew for you? I've got some free tanks right now, so... <laughs> uh, but were you guys gonna like diversify away from just doing IPAs? Not really. In, yeah. in, in the room, but so now room, probably yeah. not. I mean, yeah. like you know, we have a thing that that we do, and I I think like for me that just it makes a lot of sense. I I like to try to keep the simplicity in the business. Like we have one package format, and we largely do one thing. We'll do the odd like fun, stupid. You know, I drank it. Really, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, at least someone did. Uh, but like, we'll do we'll do some fun stuff here and there. But I mean, really, it's like that's what we do: is we make yeah. hop forward beer, and that's what we want to continue to do. Um, we had planned to like make other beers for the room, yeah. Uh, so that when you you know when you come in to Superflux to sit down, 
excuse me, and you bring your friend who doesn't like IPA, you can at least hang out with them and they can have something. And then we do guest taps or whatever, likely, especially as we open. But what, you know, what we're probably going to see ourselves doing now is focusing more on that. We haven't pulled the trigger on a decision one way or the other yet. I would like to see a little bit about how things pan out. Yeah. Um, and, and we have the luxury of time being that we're, we're not ready to open. Um, but we're getting to the point where in the next like three to four weeks, I do need to make a decision on like, you know, there's, there's tens of thousands of dollars, if not over a hundred that I don't have to spend on that tasting room if it's not going to be open when I thought it was. And I can spend that money on growing my wholesale business and putting effort there. So do you think you're going to be able to increase package by that much without draft support? Potentially. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, actually, I meant to comment on that. So one thing that we're seeing, sorry, I don't know if, did I answer your question? I guess kind of. You said yeah, potentially. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Well, you mentioned, are we going to make, you were asking if we're going to make other things or diversify hey, in that way. you but can't really. say other things. I've trademarked that name. <laughs> <laughs> Anything things. Yeah. Yeah. Any things. Hey, Ooh, careful. That's good. Um, and I need the money, so, so I'll come after you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so. What I think we're seeing is a replacement of just the channel of consumption. So, like, you you know, people who used to drink at bars and restaurants, although the consumption pattern is going to be different, I think the overall demand is, like, it's probably going to stay about the same. Like, beer consumption... Like in general, people have said, and this maybe is a little bit of a cliche because I'm not sure I have all the data to back this up, but, you know, that alcohol sales are fairly recession proof and i'm not i'm sure there are components of it that are not i've so been drink, i've been i've been drinking more. i've that. been drinking more but yeah <laughs> oh yeah for sure i've been drinking more yeah, yeah. It's, it's my life now but uh yeah but i mean maybe caribou is recession proof and fancy yeah fancy hoppy four packs right. are, well, are not maybe that might be true and definitely you know 200 dollar bottles of wine are probably not although people who can afford 200 dollars Bottles of wine are probably doing just fine anyway. They're probably going to anyway. But uh, uh, that's not my that's yeah. not my uh, that's my zone. But is anybody worried that like people aren't going to buy these you know kind of pricier four packs that we're trying to push off on the people? Like, um, I, I'm not yet. I, no, I, I don't. You know what? I, I think we talk to different markets, right? Like you know, I, fuck, I don't know, man. It depends on how many people lose their jobs. Yeah, right. Well, like, that does. That you know does what? I've got sure. one one person who, um, and, and he'll probably know I'm talking about him because. Uh, but we connected on Instagram. He's a uh, an Instagram beer influencer who I particularly quite like, and and uh, and he lost his job, um, but he's still coming out to buy new Steel and Oak limited releases. But mm. how long will that last? Right? Like you know, if you have no money oh, coming, sure. I know myself. Like you know, you know, being um, <laughs> literally just kind of laying myself off from Steel and Oak at this point in time to make sure we're we're continuing to go along. Like I'm spending less money, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the only, I think those people are still going to want the fancy four pack, but it's just going to be making that decision on whether they can afford to or not, I think will probably be what happens. Like I, none of us are equipped to really lower our prices. No, like it's, for it's, sure. I'll just be out of business quicker than I could be right now. Right. Like if I, right. if I do that, right. If anything, we'll need to, we'll need to actually but, raise them a little bit. So to what I was saying too, and where I think this is a bit of a potential boon for, for craft, at least relative to macro stuff is that, you know, people's consumption patterns are changing and their habits are changing. So 
the I'm going to grab a two four and we're going to go to a party. I'm from Ontario, so I say two four, but whatever. You you know you're going to grab a case of beer and you're going to go like get fucked up. I think up. we call it a half like, sack. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a half sack. That's a good beer name. Yeah. Um, someone use that, I'm sure. But like, you know, people aren't drinking that way. So I think there might still be a little bit of a quality over quantity component, yep. especially because people are kind of hanging out at home. Again, it's a lot to say. And I, I mean, I'm definitely speculating and it would be, I mean, it's speculation to say that people in six months won't have enough money to pay for our beer too. I, I just think what we do is such a small amount of beer in the grand scheme that it seems like people can still afford it. I I don't think people are totally stockpiling booze right now. That could be happening. Um, But I think that people aren't going to have Superflux and then all of a sudden be like, I can't afford Superflux now. I'm going to buy Molson Canadian. Yeah. They're not going backwards. No, our, our customers would never do that nobody none of our customers would ever start drinking malson canadian that's disgusting jordan oh my staple <laughs> hey can you guys keep to oh my staples guy under mifflin left. guy is here <laughs> he's my staples guy with my paper we, do you want it nah you'll you go around back he'll figure, figure it out. out okay yeah um but yeah like i don't think but uh, overall i mean we could see such a massive effect on the economy and probably will uh that you know a lot of people will be out of work and have less money but I remember people talking about this in 2008 and I started my business copper and theory in 2009 and people were like, Oh, Oh, it's like people were still buying beer. It was, you know, and that was a tough time for a lot of people. And this might be, I, this has the potential to just be a much more dramatic, like down spike that recovers more quickly because like, what we're facing right now isn't a fundamental flaw in the economy. No, but, it could expose one it, and that might be a huge problem that would exacerbate what's happening and if we expose a huge flaw in the economy and it crumbles in a different way and we don't solve the virus problem well then I, everybody's like selling beer is the least of my concerns yeah, and no, we're gonna I, have i, I think that this could create issues. a huge flaw in the economy if Small businesses aren't supported. Save smallbusiness.ca. Sign the petition. <laughs> right. No, but no you, I, I agree, though, with that sincerely. Um, that if, if we can carry it, everybody through, if all the businesses can stay that were working before can mm-hmm. stay intact and get through to the other side of this and reopen on the other side of this, then the ep- economic impact might not be huge. Right. Uh, and the alternative is is depression. We have no idea. This yeah. is it, it potentially could be. So. The, the, I think if... And I mean, maybe I'm more cognizant of this because I own a small business, but like, I think, I, I hope anyways, people are, at least they have been at the beginning with Steel and Oak, making a conscious effort to be like, we know that this is tough, so let's support. And I think, you know, if we do that with, where do you, you grab another Marsden? I thought you were going to grab Royal City Ale, four pack. Oh man. No, no, that Marsden's so, delicious. I mean, you can't see this, but we've recorded in the tasting room. And, uh, and Hendo just basically got up from his microphone, went over to my beer fridge, didn't promo the beer. And, uh, so Brian's going to be fucking pissed and, uh, just grabbed a couple Martins, just cracked. Like he fucking owns the place. Actually, do you want to own part of this place? (laughs) With all of your spare money? (laughs) I'll sell part of it to you at this point in time. 
Hey, yeah. and then you know what he fucking I still have did? A you know job, he, I can pay for it then, if you need me to. I can't even fucking believe that he just did this. But he just poured himself a glass of Martin. Ben and I don't have any Martin left in our glass. Ben's got a little I'm, bit left. Now he's empty. I can't pour you a beer. That'd be socially irresponsible. I'm, I can't touch oh, your glass okay. and come over. You I'll guys, be within six okay, feet of you. Ben, you go next, and you can grab the Martin. Now, we're all grabbing the same bottle, but I have hand sanitizer up at the front if you want to use that. And... Uh, and so that we're all doing this the right way. Yeah. Hey, we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing we're, it, guys. We're, we're making great. this work. It is weird, right? Because you're trying, like, there are moments like that where you're just like, normally I would be polite here, but is no, it? Now I, you're making me. Can I? Now and you're, you're trying to, like, yeah. I was weird. calling you out as an asshole, and now everybody thinks I'm an asshole for not uh, enforcing social distancing. And that's the way it should be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, uh, well, yeah, I was doing that before when I poured myself some i was looking at ben i'm like do you want i'm like i don't think i should pour you more i'll just leave it here i find that i have to remind myself that although i'm distancing from people in public that i can still be friendly right do you know what i mean like you're out on the street and you see somebody coming and you're like oh i'm i'm wary of this this person i have to keep my distance but you have to remind yourself oh yeah but we're still friends yeah you can smile like and wave when i um when I run in the park, I, I live kind of near Pacific Spirit Park, so I go in there with the dog and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll run through there and I'll usually try to, you know, like I just see people and I'm just like, good morning, good morning. And I normally get a very low response rate, um, so much so that I like to play like a little game with it. And me and my girlfriend were running uh, this weekend. And it was like 98% response rate of good mornings. Really? And the only yeah. people that didn't respond were like wearing headphones or like yeah. maybe otherwise distracted. But we were just like, good morning, good morning. And everyone's like, good morning. Oh, good yeah. morning. And it was great. And that's, it was like... That's, that's all of their social contact for that day. Yeah, so. well, that, exactly. And that's kind of what I was saying. So it was really nice to like... Later at dinner, they're like, remember when that couple said good morning to us today? Yeah. That's the best part of their day? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. yeah. They're like, that good looking couple that, just that walked in man just ran by <laughs> with that beautiful dog. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he really loves that dog. I wonder if that dog's got its own Instagram page. It doesn't, and it never will. It should. It basically does because it's got my Instagram page. Yeah, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not a. My dog has its own Instagram kind of guy. No. I don't think I could do that. And that's so. why I have you on the podcast. <laughs> I like that about you. The um, I, I like. I do hope that that this does make us just friendlier and nicer to each other. And I think the one thing. <laughs> The thing about a, this, like a pandemic, and not to just overuse it, but we are all kind of we are all in it together. Like, where doesn't matter like who you are, where your where your economic status is, where you live. Like, everybody is basically you know still prone to the same thing. Sure, you have opportunities if you are not you know. Jordan's watching me make faces. Right I, I can now. see. I can see. I know we're going to go with it. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, the socioeconomic leveler kind of thing is just bullshit i mean there are some people who are so much more screwed you know people with precarious housing and or you know like roommate situations or or people frontline workers who still have to be out there exposed to the yeah. public uh for money because otherwise they you know they don't have a, a way to afford their rent right and uh yeah i mean a lot of people are way more fucked i mean you know we're all pretty comfortable uh you know, I mean, Jordan has a yard. You know, there's a I lot of parents with kids in apartments right now. And, you know, they're talking about closing parks. They've just closed provincial parks. Uh, they just announced yesterday. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, which is creating less space for people. Is Pacific Spirit a provincial park? It's not. It's a city park and it is open. They've got quite a few signs around telling you not to fuck it up so that it stays open. 
Yeah, well, Stanley but, Park's yeah. a provincial park, right? Isn't it? No, no, no Stanley, Stanley Park's a, a city park. Did they close Stanley Park too? No, they, they closed didn't? the parking lots, and then just yesterday they closed the roads. Which, yeah. as a cyclist, I, I love. It's yeah. uh, oh, yeah. it's amazing. They should. Yeah, there's going to have to be some about the seawall because this weekend it's supposed to be fucking nice, and people are just going to flock. Because yeah, yeah, so they're, they're diverting all the bikes onto the uh, on, on onto the road. The road. Yeah. Well, that's good, but I, I just think the number of people that are going to naturally like, and I don't blame people for this at all. Like. It, it's it's been rainy for six months it gets nice you've yeah. been cooped up for the little bit of time it's been kind of nice and then it's like you have a great nice weekend and it's a long weekend yeah fuck the whole thing's a long weekend right now yeah but like you know you're gonna get uh you're gonna get to go out and people are just gonna flock out there and i think that that's I, gonna I be for sure kenny stewart's been pretty aggressive with this whole thing i feel in vancouver like you'd think that they a little bit like, this, I mean, I mean i also don't live in vancouver so i'm not as attuned well, I, to what's actually happening we've but got just, a lot more, uh, I mean, quote unquote, freedom than Ontario and definitely Quebec right now. Like, I mean, I, my mom was blown away that I went to Canadian Tire the other day. Well, like, Ontario and Quebec's know, numbers are fucking insane. Oh, it's, right it's now. way worse because they don't yeah. have Bonnie Henry. We love you, Bonnie. You can also bon- drink for Bonnie's, free at Superfox Beer Company anytime you want. We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we've been. I think we've been a little bit lucky too. I guess they were saying too, like our uh, the time at which our March break landed was. Yeah probably beneficial i don't know what the actual impact of that is but um i i think we've been and frankly we're you know we get to kind of reap the rewards of that a little bit because like there you can still do some normal things like i mean it, it would be frustrating if you're stuck at home and you're unable to go to the store to get like i mean you want to garden or something or plant something it's yeah. like and you can't do that and you're like you, fuck you finally <laughs> have time for hobbies and you can't yeah. do it yeah. yeah yeah my my uh my brother who's closed his restaurant is now like a carpenter. He's got he's building yeah. all kinds of shit all around our house, organizing our garage. Nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Tangent's not doing to go, eh? He's just decided to call it a day or they they haven't I'm trying to talk him into reopening. I yeah. uh, we'll see how that goes. But he's like I'm having a nice time. It's been really <laughs> well, I mean, it's a nice uh, break right now, right? A- a- actually, that's true. I mean, yeah. they're burned out on having run yeah, that restaurant for 7 years yeah. and they're yeah. uh you know, in, they had a successful restaurant for well, I mean, several of those 7 years. I uh, they're not like in financially dire straits. Yeah. And uh, the other thing they're looking at is the difficulty of getting people back to work uh, yeah. who've, who've taken the, uh, the, 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 CRB? the curb or CERB or yeah. however people right. are uh, pronouncing that. Yeah. That's actually a, a bit of a real problem. It is a problem. Uh, that, <laughs> I mean, the one problem that we've encountered a little bit is just looking at like, you know, the, the folks that are on EI that you're trying to reemploy and they're like, well, I'm on EI. And it's like, okay, well, I'm offering you a job. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, on one hand I do get it, but you know, everybody wants to like, everybody will usually want to get the most amount of money that they can in a given situation. But like, you know, yeah, it's uh we actually have to, I, you know what? I'm going to counter that because uh, I don't think everybody does want the most amount of money that they possibly can at this point in time. They want the most amount of money for the least amount of work. Correct. Right. <laughs> like I think if they, uh, uh, a brewery friend of ours and I won't name names, to, to, but to be more charitable, it might be the most amount of money for the least amount of exposure. Yeah. I well, mean, and I think that's, no, and that's, no, that's true. That's, too. No, 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 that's where I was going to go well. with it. Yeah. Is that like, I think people are like, oh, I'll take the $2,000 rather than 3000 mm-hmm. and stay at home, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I'm certainly, I'm not, I'm not trying to be uncharitable to, to people, but there are, there have been some situations like that where I think there are going to be like, especially as people kind of pivot their business models and need to hire more uh, like short term part time workers for jobs that they're just sort of creating. They're going to run into that problem too, where there's 
um, there's a, there's a lot of confusion in the workforce, yeah. let's say. And then there's a lot of, you know, I mean, maybe people who are a little bit better off or are feeling a little more comfortable aren't feeling safe to return to work, which will be another thing in the hospitality industry. I actually joked like, uh, I think it was last week that this is probably going to fix the labor shortage in yeah. hospitality, but I'm not actually sure that it will. Cause I mean, one, there's no supply of jobs. Um, the supply of labor is going to be enormous when restaurants do reopen, I think, but I wonder if people will be willing to work to in the same way in those yeah. jobs. Cause those are, you know, those are the jobs that are, you're very exposed to people every day from work. I know to a lot of people, like, I mean, if you're a server, you probably come in super close contact with items, other people like that 200 other people have touched in a shift. So like, yeah. it's, uh, I wonder yeah. if it'll be the, um, more of a resurgence of not a resurgence cause it's already starting with places like the magnet and, and Drake, but like the to go type, you know, where you go up, you order and it comes out and it's, yeah. it's, I don't, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> And I don't know, like I, it's, it seems like a lot of jobs that we'd be taken away if that was the case. But I think yeah, when you look at be. it now, there's probably going to be a lot less restaurants well, opening up anyways. So, right. you in, know, it, in Vancouver though, part, well, and not so much, uh, I, I mean, I can't speak to the Drake. I'm not sure this is why that was done, but I know with like the magnet, I mean, one of the reasons for having counter service is that it, it is hard to find staff as yeah. well. So like, I don't know if that was the, and I don't want to speak for Mike and Lee at the Drake. I don't yeah. know if that, I think they saw the concept in San, San Diego and they yeah. liked it because it created a casual kind of atmosphere right and, and it's a way of running something that sort of feels a little bit more like a bar mm-hmm. but is a restaurant as well i think was part of it but yeah i can't i can't totally speak for them but at least i know how it the impression i get from that but anyway in in vancouver like for folks listening that maybe don't know um and probably in other places in bc but in vancouver specifically with the cost of living it is really really hard to staff restaurants yeah like i live my i said my roommate is a chef he's been living in my house for less than a year and he's had four different jobs and he just basically works somewhere and then it's like yeah this isn't kind of working out just just go get a new job and then unfortunately now he does not have that choice so yeah um but uh i mean he's he's all right for a for a little bit but he um yeah it's it's really tough out there for people to to staff their bars and restaurants and that's been a real thing so yeah i wonder i wonder how quickly that'll come back um I mean, it still remains to be seen what this is going to do to the general cost of living in the city yeah. in terms of rent as well. Because I think landlords will face um, interesting decisions and vacancy rates when things kind of start getting back to normal. And re-renting something that you lose a tenant in, uh, that might be very different. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, it, it's all going to look different on the other side. And it really depends how long this lasts and yeah, how I, severe it, it how long is it going to take for you to uh, to put post this podcast, Jordan? I'm, I'm wondering. Post like, it tomorrow. Oh, you are. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll edit tonight when I get home, and I'm going to post That's it. So we're, we're recording. Yeah, we're <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I was we're wondering, recording wondering this. How yeah. out of date we yeah, were. No, so, so <laughs> sound I, like my dad yeah. on March 31st. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny. Like when I used to record this, um, or when I recorded it last year, I'd actually do them like two or three weeks in advance, and then um, so I'd, I'd record them like weekly or a couple a week. And get them all in the bank so that I didn't, I could structure my months properly. Um, but then inevitably, you always talk about dated information. So, you know, things would always feel dated, at least to me when I listen to them. And so, but it's a podcast, so it's supposed to kind of live in, in you know, forever anyways. But uh, if you're listening, we're recording this on Thursday, April the 9th, and I will put it up 
probably tonight. So, because I've got nothing else to fucking do, so I'm definitely going to edit it, and I'll throw it up there, so. Right, and they're not going to learn about Cool Ranch Doritos for another couple of days, so we're, we're not going to. Can you touch on that? Because you said it, and I laughed, like, I was like, ah, I know what you're talking about, Ben, but I have no idea what you're it, fucking talking about. It's some silly about. shit I just made up, Jordan. It's, oh, cool ranch it's not a thing. Okay, because I can't, I don't even think you get Cool Ranch Doritos. What's that? Can you even get Cool Ranch Doritos still? I, I have no idea. I don't. You Honestly, don't eat chips? I, I eat tons of chips. My oh. tasting room sells them. It's, it's, I think it is a thing, and Ben's just being coy. Sorry, a, it, I think it is a thing, and you're just being coy about that's, it. That's I right. think Cool Ranch Doritos can fix this whole thing. Cool Ranch Doritos are the cure. <laughs> I was kind of thought like, and, and I know we're going long, but I feel like we're we're you know we've had a few beers now, but the one and a half, yeah, one and a half. But it's a few for me. I haven't had breakfast yet, and it's it's like eleven o'clock. Um, but the um, what the fuck was I going to talk about? Oh, if the you talked about it earlier, Ben, if we just kind of took a break for two weeks, if we all just like. If everybody was like, okay, you're going to go to the grocery store now. Everybody go to the grocery store. Stock up for what you need for a month. And then, I mean, that would cause fucking panic. So that's probably why I'm not in charge of public <laughs> policy. But, um, but like, if, if everybody just took a two-week, three-week break and just no one did any fucking thing. So like, you mean the people who work for BC Hydro wouldn't keep the power running? Or if that's just Metro, a switch, isn't it? Metro Vancouver wouldn't keep the sewer system working? Okay, or so the it's, water it's, flowing it's, out of our it's taps? It's flawed, or? I get it, Ben. That's why you're on the show, okay? To, hey, we're, you know. just, we're just spitballing ideas <laughs> yeah, here. Come yeah, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm just shooting him down, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad I don't work for you, Ben, although I'd probably be... La- no, I wouldn't be laid off. You would have kept me employed. No, I'd appreciate that about No, you. I would have laid you off. <laughs> <laughs> um... Okay, I feel like we're coming to the end of this now. Uh, I normally don't do this because I like to control the conversation, but is there anything that you guys wanted to touch on that we haven't touched on yet uh, before we call it a day on, on the, the first episode of season two of, of Beer Life? Is the rest of season two going to be this sad? No, I don't think so. And I think for the, I'd, I've been figuring it out. Like I had, so I've, I had like six guests lined up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was pretty pumped about it. Like, uh, Nigel and Conrad for Brassneck were going to be on and, and Darren from house of funk. And, um, and then I had a few people that had lined up from, uh, from the U S and, and a couple international guests to, to phone it in. And I don't like, I get some comments. Sometimes people seem to really like the audio quality of this, uh, because I guess some people do a hack job of podcasts and it doesn't sound nice. Right. Um, but, um, the they're like oh can you get some guests that are outside of bc and i just want to say that if i do it's going to sound shitty because i'm going to have to have them phone in and they probably have accents (laughs) you said that (laughs) i I thought about it i know i want to wrap this up what is bringing you guys joy right now what are you enjoying this yeah this is fun um it is this 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 is is actually one of the first times i've hung out with other people uh in like two or three weeks so that's kind of fun actually what, um, what is bringing you joy adam to be honest like it, it is a little there's a simplicity to just kind of hanging out at home i i like i like my house <laughs> so i've got some stuff at home i can do and i i like cooking and i have been baking a shit ton of sourdough bread which has been great so i finally got to dial that in i got some pastrami i'm working on so that's fun so um yeah, I mean, just gaining weight, I guess, is what's going to bring me joy. But that, that's that been fun. So um, I am – it's bringing me much less joy than I thought it would be. But to see our brewery coming together is, you know, it's pretty cool. It's also super scary because when it is done, it's not going to do what 
it's not going to be purposed in the way that I thought it was going to be, but, yeah. but that's kind of a nice thing right now. And I'm, I'm happy or at least very, very grateful that it is, you know, that that's able to continue right now, despite everything that's going on. So I feel pretty good for that. And then the dog, I get to hang out with the dog a lot. So I don't have kids like you guys. So Ben, what's bringing you joy? Um, well, I should say my kids, but that's only some of the time. Some of the time they really bring me a lot of joy. <laughs> totally. Some of the times they're just a righteous pain in my ass. But uh, also my bike. I mean, traffic is down. It's so much. It's a great time to bike right now in Vancouver. I don't mean on the seawall. It's too damn crowded. I mean, you know, out on the streets, out on the bike routes. It's a, it's a great time. And it's, it's you know, my two main stress relievers right now are, are alcohol and my bike. And alcohol works better, but uh, <laughs> but the bike's better for me, and uh, and I'm really loving it. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, and I don't want to take the easy route uh, road and uh, say kids, but I will say that being at home, um, like we're all very busy, and we have young families or a young dog, and uh, and but like I rarely um, do I have the opportunity to just hang out with my kids and be like, I don't have anything to do today. And the brewery now is run so simple because we literally have a delivery service and we sell beer to, to LRS and, and BCLs uh, to liquor stores. And those two things kind of just operate that like I find myself sitting around with actually like, I'm not that important anymore. It makes sense that I don't pay myself at all because I'm actually not doing a whole heck of a lot. Um, uh, you know, the other guys are the ones that are actually keeping this thing afloat right now. And so I think just the, for me, it's the joy of just being able to sit there and actually, I don't even really think about the brewery a ton, uh, during the day because I, I get to watch the kids play together and, and because the four-year-old and the one and a half-year-old are, there is a gap, but they're starting to get to the age where, uh, Jude will take care of our one and a half-year-old Lennox and he'll like try and play with him and he'll make the effort to like you know, to, if he's going to take a toy that Lennox has, he knows to swap it out with something different so he doesn't get upset. And so I think the joy for me is just more like being able to watch my, my kids grow up a little bit. And, and it's, it's weird because I know I touched on it earlier and, and, um, but when my son, uh, was in the hospital last year for a week, it was like the first week that I think in, in memory of opening this business, we're like, the only thing that mattered that week was him. And so we just hung out at the hospital and talked and, it was like, it was just nice to be able to shut everything else off off, and just kind of concentrate on the family. And not that it doesn't come with stresses, because like you said, Ben, like um, it was my first day back yesterday after 14 days at home and having a quiet cup of coffee at the brewery was just wonderful. And then the compressor <laughs> kicked on and I was like, fuck, we got to get that compressor outside. But, um, but like, it was great. And, uh, but like definitely watching them play together and making sure that like, you know, that, um, I don't know, just making sure that their world is as normal as it can be. And uh, I'm also reading uh, fiction books. Uh, I love reading fiction, yet everybody always buys me nonfiction books on how to run a better business, which I think is kind of a shot. Like, I feel like I'm doing all right. And, um, and, uh, but I like reading fiction. And so it's been like now, like Alyssa and I used to get the kids to bed, clean the kitchen. We watch something on Netflix, but she has to work at night now because um, she's working from home. So she'll work in our living room. We've made a desk up for her and I'll just sit on the couch and read just so that I can be beside her while she works. And I don't know, that's been kind of nice. Like I think the joy is from slowing things down. And I think that's the one thing that we'll take away from this is that, um, that we'll be able to slow down and hopefully we, 
we continue to kind of just take things in and enjoy it. Um, my son Jude's got this book that says, uh, talks about the world and how it operates. And, and it says the world moves pretty fast and it's over quick. So take time to slow it down and enjoy it. And I thought it was pretty heavy for a kid's book and it's probably worded better than I just did. And he asks me about it all the time. He's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, it just means that like, it means you're going to die. son. <laughs> yeah. I definitely don't fuck Yeah. The German, no, I definitely don't say that. I, but it, but it means like it just, you know, and trying to explain that to a kid and it, it actually kind of makes you look inside. You're like, fuck, I need to fucking slow down because I operate so fast. And, um, and this is the first time in a while. Um, even when I've been on vacation, you're thinking about work and what's happening, what you're missing. But right now I know it because it's simple as fuck. <laughs> and <laughs> you're missing nothing. <laughs> so it's been, I don't know. That's, that's the joy is that uh, being able to slow down and enjoy the actual things that are important. I the, told the told, death of FOMO, yeah, as we said. Yeah. I told my, like I said to my team, like, like steel Oak's an important thing. It's important. It's more, it's, it's not, it's yes, we make beer, but it's more important than beer, but it's not that important right? And it's still a business. And what's important is our health and, and that we have people to love that love us in return. And that, you know, it's, it's still, you know, it's a business that we do love and, and I hope it's still around <laughs> in a year. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but in reality, like, you know, we help bring joy to people. We help people get together and, and meet each other and congregate and celebrate. And, and, uh, but in the end, it's still just a, it's still just a fucking business. It's just beer, man. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll just keep making Martin that you guys are enjoying, and uh, we'll hope. It's fantastic. People should really fantastic. buy lots. Of they, this. You know what? They do buy I'm a lot of it. Actually, that. no. I'm well. I mean, a, a, a lot of it is relative to a, <laughs> a, a, a an amber lager and a bomber bottle. But anyways, a lot uh, considering it's fucking Martin. <laughs> yeah. It goes great with Cool Ranch Doritos, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which everyone will learn about in three weeks. Uh, I want to thank my guests today, Ben Coley and uh, Adam Henderson. My name is Jordan Foss, and we will hopefully see you in a couple weeks uh, with some other guests that maybe aren't as handsome or funny, but, you know, at least we'll still get the job done. Just audio. Nobody can tell. No, no one can tell. Yeah.